Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd, cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. It is hour number three of the look at right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Got a great hour for you. It's David Bearman. He does a great job over there at ESPN along with ESPN Chalk. He's going to be joining me. We wound up seeing the NFL draft this weekend over here in lovely Las Vegas. And I guess you could say a little bit more than this weekend. It's obviously first round wound up getting going on Thursday. But we're going to ask him if we wound up seeing any changes with regards to the futures market, which teams wound up getting better. And did any teams wind up making some questionable moves? I'm looking at you, the Tennessee Titans, as to what wound up going down there. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to talk a little bit of baseball there here in this segment. There are a couple baseball games that I've yet to hit upon that I'm going to give you guys my thoughts on. And if you wind up missing the DK Nation with regards to EMOB, you've got two ways to be able to get it. For one, I'm going to be doing it in the final segment as well. We're going to be refreshing that. So have no fear there. Or if you wound up, if you want to listen a little bit further, you're able to go visa.com slash podcast. We've got every single hour of every single show that you wind up that we wind up doing. So we've got you guys covered in a wide variety of ways there. And also gonna hit on a little bit upon the NBA playoffs as we wind up seeing those get started up on Sunday. And we've got a pair of games that I've given my thoughts on for Monday as well. So nice jam-packed final hour here of the look at. But first things first, let's take a look at some of the MLB games that I've yet to focus on and we got one that is going to be going down very early involving a random interleague game. This is a game which got washed out a little bit earlier this season. So we were doing a one-game makeup here as it is 9-15, 9-16 on the betting board. It is the game at the bottom of the board, even though it is the earliest game because it is an interleague game as got the Kansas City Royals taking on the St. Louis Cardinals as you got Steven Matz is going to be going for the Cardinals and Zach Greinke is going to be going for the Royals with their total anywhere between 7 and 7.5. If you're taking the seven 
over juice is going to be right around like minus 120. You're going to get more around an even money juice with regards to the 7.5 as the under is heavily juiced there. And right now, when it comes to the St. Louis Cardinals, find them as good as a minus 155, as bad as a minus 170. And when it comes to Royals, your top mark is pretty much right around about a plus 150, plus 152-ish, and bottom mark right around a plus 145. And when it comes to the Cardinals, with regards to money line, minus 168 is the max I'd be willing to lay here. I would rather look at a little bit more of a run line. Right now, you're finding this in a lot of spots anywhere between a plus 120 and a plus 130, especially if you're able to get more around a plus 130, even a plus 125. I would look to reduce the juice just because minus 160 to minus 170 is a pretty empty price, especially when you're facing off against a guy in Zach Granke. To his credit, in order for you to get on base, you have to hit the ball because he has given up just three walks in his first four starts. I'm not even kidding when I say this. Going into his last start, he had two strikeouts and he had made three starts. He had more starts than strikeouts. Zach Greinke, not a swing and miss guy anymore. No offense or what's about it. And it's not like he was ever necessarily a guy that was going out there and giving you like 12 strikeouts for nine innings or anything like that. But this is a guy that's a little bit long in the tooth and now... He doesn't necessarily have stuff that is going to be deceiving people. Meanwhile, you take a look at Steven Matz, and you've got two forms of Steven Matz. Really good Steven Matz and really bad Steven Matz. There's no in-between form Steven Matz. He's either terrific or he is terrible. He's made four starts this season. In two starts, he's given up four-plus runs. In his other two starts, they combined one run surrendered. So, I mean, it's a case in which Steven Matz, he's been very inconsistent, but take a look at what Matz was able to do. Away from Toronto last season, because he was actually on the Blue Jays. Away from Toronto, he wound up having right around a 3-6 ERA, was able to be relatively solid. Wound up giving up right around a home run per nine innings, and his walks per nine rate was right around a 2.5. So this is someone that's able to come in, and he's able to do a solid job. And it's a Royals team that they're not going to swing and miss too much, but their team batting average, one of the worst out there in the big leagues. Whit Merrifield, Bobby Witt Jr., you're able to throw in there quite a few others. Carlos Santana, who's been, ever since the All-Star break last year, just cataclysmically bad. I mean, these are guys that, they're if they're hitting at the Mendoza line, they're barely getting above a 200. If not, they're hitting well below it. I mean, it has been a rough year for many of these guys. Now, to the credit of Andrew Benatendi, he's actually been one of the more underrated hitters to begin the season. He's hitting right around at 350. He's been terrific for the Royals. Problem is, you're not getting much out of anyone else. Salvador Perez is the only guy that's able to go yarded. He's hitting right around 200. And for the Cardinals, we've been seeing a little bit of an overtrend for them at home. You just take a look at what the St. Louis Cardinals has been able to do. And they've been a team in which they have been playing a lot of higher scoring games at home. On the road, this has actually been very much an under team. But you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals thus far this season. They have wound up playing 11 games at home. Eight overs, two unders, and a push. So... That has been a very good trend if you've been taking a look at it this season. And it's one that I think is going to cool off a little bit. But Nolan Arenado, he's hitting a 350. He's been able to give you six home runs. Paul Goldschmidt wound up getting a day off yesterday. But he's been able to do a good job of getting on base. You've been able to see these guys like even a Harrison Bader be able to pick it up. Tommy Edmond has a trio of home runs for this team. Albert Pools, who you're looking at players that are pretty much fossils in the MLB. He is certainly one of them, but... He's been able to give the team a pair of homers in a DH role. He's hitting above a 250, so he's been able to do a solid job there. Now, the one thing that you roll the dice with if you are taking a look at an over is this is a St. Louis Cardinals bullpen that has been very solid to this point this season. They did wind up having that terrible collapse that we wound up seeing, ironically enough, last Monday 
against the New York Mets. But that said, this has been a team that they've been able to come in there. They've been able to do a lights-out job. They've got a 305 bullpen ERA. That is number six out there in the big leagues. They've been able to do a nice job that bullpen has of just not putting guys on cheaply in general. So you're able to rely upon that. Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos. These guys are able to do a solid job. And for the Kansas City Royals, also playing to their detriment in this one, they wound up having to use up a lot of their trustworthy relievers because they were in a game in which they were leading late against the New York Yankees. They made like your buddy at the bar. They were unable to close. And Dylan Coleman wound up giving up quite a few runs. Josh Samount, one of the better and more underrated closes out there in the big leagues. He got used for 24 pitches. Scott Barlow got used for 26 pitches. So you've got a lot of guys that wound up getting used up in that Royals bullpen. So a lot of your high leverage guys, they're going to be unavailable in this game. So take a look at this spot. Seven and a half would be really the max. Maybe you want to take a look at an over on, but I'm willing to take a look at a seven or a seven and a half over. And when it comes to the spot with the Cardinals, because I do think that they're going to be able to get to Zach Granke, I'm looking a little bit more at the run line to be able to reduce the minus 160 to minus 170 issues that we're seeing in a lot of books. So I'm looking over and I'm going to be taking a look at a St. Louis Cardinals run line. And then when you take a look at another game involving some National League teams, That'd be 9-1, 9-2 on the betting board. Very intriguing to see the line movement here. Arizona Diamondbacks, they're on the road facing off against the Miami Marlins. One of the most fun names to say, Pablo Lopez, is going to be going for the Miami Marlins. And then you've got Zach Gallen, who's going to be on the bump for Arizona. This is a total that I personally wound up setting as one of my lowest of the season. And that seems to be happening in the betting market as well. This is a total that opened up at 7. If you're still fighting a 7, that under juice is probably right around minus 125. If you're seeing a six and a half, the over is probably right around a minus 120, but we're seeing a lot of shifts to a six and a half. And when it comes to Miami Marlins, buying them anywhere between about a minus 145 to a minus 150-ish favorite. This is one in which if you like the Miami Marlins, you probably want to waste zero time whatsoever in betting them because you did wind up seeing a little bit earlier in the day, you were able to get a little bit more value here with the Miami Marlins because I personally wound up taking this when it was more around like a minus 140-ish. You were able to find even a few of those. Minus 140 to minus 145 is where things were really opening up at, and we just see it time and time again with the Miami Marlins. If they open up, say, a minus 140, they're going to go to probably minus 160, minus 165 on the close. If they open up minus 120, they're going to go to minus 150. I mean, this team has just been getting steamed very, very heavily. If you like the Arizona Diamondbacks, like Dave Tooley, he wound up joining me in our number one. Wait as long as you can because you're probably going to be able to get more than the plus 130, plus 140 that you're seeing right now. So I would very much encourage you, if you're looking at one side or the other, to either fire right now if you like the Miami Marlins or to wait if you like the Arizona Diamondbacks. But Zach Allen should be able to do a solid job in this spot for the Arizona Diamondbacks. You take a look at what he's been able to do. A sub-1 ERA this season. He has given up just one earned run, and then it's just absolutely insane because Zach Gallon right now has, I believe, a 0-6 ERA, and he doesn't even have the best ERA among the two starting pitchers in this game because Pablo Lopez has only given up one run thus far this season as well. Both of these guys have been absolutely dynamic. They're playing out there in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark in Miami, and... Neither of these offenses have necessarily been too great. The Miami Marlins have been able to pick it up a little bit. You take a look at their series against the Seattle Mariners. You were able to get a couple overs with them. Ori Soler wound up hitting a 450-foot bomb on Sunday. So that helps out a little bit. But you've got starting pitchers with a 0.60 and a 0.39 ERAs. It's just absolutely ridiculous to take a look at it. And 
If you're going to be trusting in the Arizona Diamondbacks, the two guys that you want to be trusting in the most, Zach Gallon along with Merrill. Kelly Gallon does wind up getting a little bit loose with the walks, and this could be a little bit of a revenge game for him as well because the Miami Marlins a few seasons ago actually had him, and then they traded him away to Arizona after he was looking relatively solid after his MLB debut, which I always thought that that was a little bit of a curious case, but you do take a look at this Miami Marlins team, and you do have a couple other guys that are able to hit better than the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's putting it as politely as I can because the Diamondbacks entering into Sunday hitting a buck 81 as a collective. Now, they actually have hit more home runs than the Miami Marlins because you do have Dalton Varsho and you've got Christian Walker. They've had a combined nine home runs between the two of them, so they've been relatively solid. But right now, you've got two guys that are hitting above a 250 for this Arizona Diamondbacks team. You've got three guys hitting above a 220. Three guys on the entire roster of the Arizona Diamondbacks, whether that be 75 at-bats, 50 at-bats, or one at-bat, hitting above a 215. That's just insane. And that's baseball in 2022, ladies and gentlemen. Meanwhile, for the Miami Marlins, they have been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Jazz Chisholm, but he, along with Asa Sanchez, have been able to give you a combined seven home runs. Both of these guys have been able to do a solid job of getting on base. Garrett Cooper is a little bit undervalued for them as well. He does a good job getting on. Joey Wendell's able to hit a 300. And with the Miami Marlins, you just have a better bullpen in general. So I like both of these starters. So I do take a look at the under, but I think that with the supporting cast of the Miami Marlins, as long as you're able to get this pretty much sub-150, it's worth a play there. What's always worth it is having a chat with David Behrman of ESPN Chalk as well. That's coming up next right here on The Look At on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, gonna, not the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, just I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. 
Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. You're on the look at on Visa, the Sports Betting Network, and it is great to be joined by our guests as David Behrman does a great job over there at ESPN and ESPN Chalk, a contributor over there at the Daily Wager. List goes on and on, and a man that I know that he pays close attention to the AFC East, and we wound up seeing a few teams out there make some moves in the NFL draft. And to be able to follow David Behrman on Twitter, that's at DBehrman ESPN, and great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely, Greg. Happy to be on. I hope all is well with you out there in Las Vegas. And NFL draft is in the rearview mirror, and it's almost like it never ended. Like <laughs> Absolutely. Season ended, free agency, trades, bam, all of a sudden the draft, and you know, next thing you know, it'll be August. So, And what I find to be so interesting about the NFL this offseason is that it feels like we've had more movement with regards to the futures than ever before, but really with the NFL draft, we didn't see too many big moves because it was, as I always like to call it, a lot of stake, not a lot of sizzle. You wound up seeing a lot of linemen come off the board. Obviously, some good wide receivers in the first round, but I just didn't feel like there were necessarily difference makers that wound up being drafted and or wound up getting moved with regards to trades. I agree with you, and I think it, it's just a victim of, of what this draft was. It wasn't a very deep draft. There wasn't a lot of star power in there. You didn't have you know, Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, you didn't have the big names out there, but it was a solid draft. And anytime you see that defense was like the first five picks of the draft tells you that, you know, it, there's not as much offense out there. And you got to see a couple of wide receivers go. You didn't see hardly any quarterbacks at all. We had like one day one and then a couple of more day two and three. It wasn't your typical draft. And as you mentioned about big moves, there were a couple of them when you get, you know, A.J. Brown and Hollywood Brown being traded within two minutes of each other. Um, because basically it's what the teams needed to do. You know, Hollywood Brown not happy in Baltimore, wanting to be reunited with his college quarterback, Kyler Murray, uh, and A.J. Brown full well knowing he wanted out of Tennessee because he wasn't getting the contract demands he wanted. So that is the new day and age of the NFL, is if a player wants to be moved, he ultimately gets moved. You've seen it with Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and you saw it with both Browns over, <clears throat> over Thursday's draft. 
wide receivers right now are the powerful people in the NFL getting to move and getting the money they want. Um, and that's kind of what controlled the draft. That for once, it wasn't the quarterbacks. It was the wide receivers. And, and that's what the, the main storyline was, not only in the draft, but also in the trades that were being made for draft picks. Yep, and I do find it to be very intriguing what we've seen with these wide receivers in the offseason as well. I, myself, am someone from the state of Wisconsin, so I can tell you right now, it wasn't necessarily a great offseason for the Packers, though they did wind up picking up a few wide receivers. But I know that you're someone that you focus out there on the AFC East as well. And a team that I really thought got better via the NFL draft, that would be the New York Jets. Now, I don't think that they made enough moves to be any sort of a contender out there in the AFC East this season, and let's call it what it is. Still the biggest question that you have with this team as a quarterback, but certainly they've got some more respectable pieces. We're going to be able to get a little bit more of an up-close and personal look in year number two with Wilson and company, so that is going to be able to help them out. But when you take a look at this division, I do think that it is intriguing because I do still think that the Bills have a pretty good stranglehold on it, and then everyone else is going to be fighting for that number two spot. I do agree with you. I think top to bottom, the Bills are the best team. Uh, you know, you got Josh Allen, you got that offense, Stefan Diggs, and I see them going right back to where they were last year, where arguably they were a coin flip away from advancing to the AFC Championship game. And who knows what would have happened if the Bills took on Cincinnati instead of the Kansas City Chiefs. They were just as good as anybody in the uh, league last year and could easily win the Super Bowl this year. As far as the Jets are concerned, listen, like you don't win championships in April, but you can lose championships in April. And the Jets for years have been one of those teams that even in April, you don't feel good about as opposed to my Miami Dolphins. They sometimes feel good in April and May and maybe August. And then the season's a different story. The Jets case, they actually had a good draft, at least on paper. You got sauce Gardner to, to get a good cornerback, which you're going to need in the division. That is pass happy with Buffalo, New England and Miami out there getting Tyree kill. Um, so they got the corner they needed. I think they followed up with a very solid wide receiver in Garrett Wilson from Ohio state, who was my favorite receiver in the draft. Unfortunately, he goes to the Jets. And then Jermaine Johnson Jr., uh, the, 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 the third, as their third pick uh, of day one. And I think they really, really did a good job. But again, Greg, you don't win the championships in April, but at least the Jets in this, they came away from the draft feeling good about themselves. But it is going to be a tough division. You see Miami didn't have a very big draft because they traded away all their draft picks in getting the players they got in the offseason, including Tyreek Hills. They really didn't need the draft capital to on Thursday and Friday. Um, so you have the Bills at the top of the division. The Jets are getting better. The Dolphins are getting better. Only missed the playoffs by a game last year. And of course, you know, we've gone five minutes into the segment and haven't even mentioned New England Patriots who just won't go away anytime soon. Mac Jones is a good quarterback. As long as Bill Belichick is still on that sideline, expect them to contend for a playoff spot after taking, you know, one year off two years ago. So it will be a tough division. I don't exactly think it's the AFC West, which top to bottom is probably the best division in football with all the moves that were being made in the offseason, bringing in Devontae Adams, bringing in Russell Wilson. That's going to be a tough division, but the AFC East is not going to be one team in three pansies. It is actually going to be a solid division this year that I look forward to watching. Yep, and for about two plus decades, it was a case in which it was the New England Patriots and then it was everyone else. And to your point with the Miami Dolphins, I think that they are one of the most intriguing teams. because No events or buts about it. We all know about the coaching change that wound up happening in the offseason. It was certainly a big topic of discussion. But with that said, I do take a look at Tua. Now he's got Tyreek Hill to be able to throw to. And 
He didn't necessarily light it up with regards to big completions, but he completed right around 68% of his passes last season, and I feel like so many people just cast Tua off to the side after he wound up having a really bad season one, but I felt like he took some nice strides forward in season number two. The Dolphins wound up going on the nice win streak, and I think that this could be a little bit of a sneaky team out there, both in the division and in the landscape of the AFC in general. It's, this will be the season that will define whether Tua is the Dolphins' starter moving forward with maybe a new contract and a $100 million deal that you could get after three years, or if they're moving on into a different lo- different place at quarterback because they did give him the weapons this year and a new coach to run an offense. So, But I, I believe, Greg, that, that, that his grade right now is incomplete. I was a big defender after year one saying, hey, listen, he didn't have a training camp. He didn't have a preseason. Coming off major hip surgery, wasn't even the starter day one, and really had you and me out there throwing and, and, and playing running back. So year one, give him a complete free pass. I expected to see more of him year two because they did get him some weapons. That being said, Will Fuller played three more downs than I did last year, so you really can't count him. Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki, Miles Gatskin, not all on the field at the same time. So not necessarily giving him a full pass, but he did bring the team back to within a game of the playoffs. Did a good job of at least winning games. Stats weren't unbelievable. Didn't pass it deep often, but did have a really solid completion percentage and a good quarterback rating. And overall, and I'm not necessarily saying that that Tua is as good as these other players, but his numbers through his first season and a half of, of work are just as good, if not better, than what Josh Allen was, what Lamar Jackson was, what some of the other quarterbacks that we now know are all pro quarterbacks actually were worse than what we've seen out of Tua. But Tua's been the one that has been harped on is, you know, they need to move on, blah, 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 blah. But he actually has done better in terms of win-loss and statistics than those all-pro quarterbacks did in their first year and a half. So we'll see what happens in year three. Josh Allen obviously took off. Pat Mahomes took off. You've seen what these other quarterbacks have done. I'm not expecting Tua to do that, but I think he has enough weapons around him to basically, Greg, be a field general where all you really need him to do is not turn the ball over. You can dink it and dunk it to Waddle. You can get it out there to Tyreek Hill. you got some solid running backs now, and really Mike McDaniel's offense is all about speed. So we're going to see what they're going to do. At the very least, it's going to be fun to watch. I agree with you, and I do think that that year two to year three jump that you're talking about, just so big because so many guys have on to making it, so we will see if Tua is able to do so or not. And a little bit over a minute here before we wind up taking a break, is there any sort of a guy that wound up getting drafted in day one, maybe even just early day two, that you think is going to be able to make a big impact right away and a team wound up getting a little bit of a diamond in the rough? I'd like to see what happens with Kenny Pickett. Now, I don't really necessarily think he's going to be a diamond in the rough, but I did think he dropped a little bit further than I thought he would, staying home in the Pittsburgh area where he went to college. And, and call it what it is. The Steelers need a quarterback to replace Big Ben. Um, I, and, and, you know, with Mike Tomlin there and, and that offensive line and what they have built year after year in Pittsburgh, he's stepping into a decent situation. It's not the situation Big Ben had where he had Antonio Brown and he had all of these weapons around him, but I do think, that I'm going to be keeping an eye on him because I always thought that he was one of the better quarterbacks in this draft to begin with. Obviously, there was not a lot of teams that needed a quarterback up top because it's the same teams over and over again with those top five and ten picks. Plus, we saw the quarterback roulette all in the offseason with all the trades being done. It was a little supply-demand issue, but I do think the Steelers are going to have a good pick and they'll like Kenny Pickett. 
Yep, and it certainly is a very much jury's out situation with Mitchell Trubisky, to say the least, because he didn't necessarily put up great numbers in Chicago, but we wound up seeing that regime not necessarily be so great either. So it's going to be fascinating to see what we wind up getting there, and it's going to be interesting to see what we wind up getting in the MLB and NBA moving forward as David Behrman is going to be joining me on the other side, going to be hitting upon a little bit of the NBA playoffs, going to hit on a little bit of baseball as well towards the back half of the show here on VEASAN as it is a look at on the Sports Bank Network, VEASAN. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to be able to compete free for cash all season long. Enter into weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head over to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 years or older terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And as always, drink responsibly as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, being rejoined by David Behrman, does a great job over there at ESPN, ESPN Chalk. You catch him on the Daily Wager. Guy does a lot of great things. And David, I know that you've done a great job of being able to take a look at this NBA playoff thus far. And what have been sort of your takeaways from what we've seen thus far and what's going to be to come? Because I think my biggest thing was the Bucks were a little bit undervalued coming into their series against the Boston Celtics. They wind up being able to win game one, and in a lot of places, they're now the favorite for the series. And I think that that's really going to be the most intriguing one that we wind up getting in this round. Yeah, and I think what, what you see is that the Bucks are not ready to give up that mantle of, of defending champs just yet. They are the champs. They didn't win it all last year. Uh, and, and I think they're going to beat Boston in this series. And I was actually a little surprised. And it was a little bit made to do that, you know, with Middleton's health and such. But I was And, and how easily Boston took care of, of Brooklyn. But I was a little surprised to see how big of a favorite Boston was in the series to begin at about minus 200 going in when you really shouldn't be giving Giannis and, and you know, the, the, the former MVP two to one value there, plus 170 entering the series, which obviously has changed now. The Bucks are the favorite after stealing home court. And, and you look what Giannis did today with his triple double. Um, I, I think they're going to win the series. Obviously, it's a must win situation for Boston in, in game two. You can't go on the road down 2-0 in an NBA best of seven series. So they're going to have to take care of business on Monday, on Tuesday in game two. Um, but I like what I saw from Milwaukee. And I think, um, I actually think they're going to come out of the East as the East champions again. Um, you could get a rematch with Miami, be the third straight year. The two teams have battled in the postseason. Of course, you do have to take care of the 76ers first, but without Joel Embiid, they should be able to do that. Uh, but Greg, I like what I saw today about of Milwaukee. I don't think Boston's done by any stretch of the imagination. Too much talent there. Really good team. But if this Bucks team that showed up today in Boston continues, then they'll represent the East in the finals. Yep, I like what I'm seeing on the Bucks. And to your point, I felt like this should have been more like a minus 140 to a minus 150 on the Boston Celtics. I felt felt like they should have been the favor for the series. But getting the North are $2. That was just a little bit too much in my opinion. And you mentioned the other series that we've got out there in the East. And I do think that the Heat are going to be able to take care of business. I do think that when you wind up getting north of $3, that's a little bit too lofty to pay on this because you still do have some relatively solid weapons for the Philadelphia 76ers. But I'm going to pose to you the same answer that I have with this team. And if you don't have a great answer, don't worry because neither do I. 
what sort of a rotation do you think we're going to see from the Philadelphia 76ers without Joel Embiid? Because he's really their main rebounder now. Tobias Harris is the only guy from that series that we want to see against the Toronto Raptors that average more than five rebounds per game. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they wind up trying to do, whether they try to throw out there maybe someone like a George Niang or if they wind up trying to go with like an ultimate small ball lineup. It's going to be tough. And and I think that the three, three and a half dollar price was an overreaction to the fact that they thought Embiid was out for the whole series. If he comes back for game three, the 76ers can be right there with the heat, especially if they're able to steal one in Miami, either of the next, you know, two games that they play there. But without Embiid there, it's going to be tough. You just mentioned the fact that they may have to go small ball. Uh, Harris is really the only other rebounder there. And, you know, it, it's going to be tough to put a lot of pressure on the young guy like Maxi to step up and even score more and take a big, big, bigger leadership role like he has done in the first round series. And you have to keep in mind, it's not like they blew the Raptors out. After going up 3-0, they almost blew that series, uh, struggled to hang on there and win that. And you're still going to wonder why Joel Embiid was still in the game late with a 25-point lead. I would still pick the Heat to win this series. I actually threw some coin on them to win it in five at a decent price because of the status with Joel Embiid. But I still think overall the winner of that series is still going to lose to the winner of the Boston-Milwaukee series, which right now I think will be Milwaukee. And if you're taking a look at some of these series prices, would you be looking to go a little bit more game by game when it comes to 76ers versus Heat? Because I do think that that might be the best way to be able to go about it here because with Joel Embiid, you just mentioned it. He might wind up coming back in game three. Maybe he doesn't wind up coming back in game three. Maybe it's game four. And I think that that would be a big trepidation that I would have with being able to take any sort of an exact or taking any sort of a serious price at this point. I'm more of a game by game with, with pieces and series to begin with, even without the Joel Embiid injury. And case in point, I was able to grab the Memphis Grizzlies when they were down one nothing in their series to Minnesota at about minus 120, minus 125, getting a better price than having to lay two and three dollars. Uh, it's hard to jump in there and lay that amount of money. And you know, if you were going to take the Celtics for the series, now would be the time to jump in down 1-0 at home, assuming that they can take Game Two and then steal one on the road and have a six or seven game series like Memphis did with Minnesota. So if you like Boston, go ahead and take them. But that's kind of the strategy that I do. I take it game by game based on the feel and based on the prices. I would do the same thing with the Heat. Uh, but I do think if you want the Heat, you should probably go now because it's only going to get larger if they win game one and two without Joel Embiid in there. But if the Sixers do steal one, that is when I would absolutely jump in on the Heat at that Totally agree with you. If you do wind up seeing a little bit of an upset in game one or game two, going to cause for some very interesting line move with regards to that series price. And when it comes to what we're getting out West going into it, I did think that the Phoenix Suns would be able to dispatch the Dallas Mavericks. And I thought that the Warriors were going to be able to get the job done against Memphis. And to call it what it is, Memphis probably blew their best opportunity of being able to make this thing a series. No Draymond Green in the second half, unable to get the job done. But when it comes to what we're getting out West, how do you wind up taking a look at this picture? Because I think ultimately we wind up getting the Warriors and the Suns, and we wind up getting a good six or seven game series there. Do you see anything different, perhaps? No, and, and, and if I'm a Memphis Grizzlies fan, I'm going to try my best not to look at the box score. It's going to make you sick to your stomach. You just hit it on the head. Their best chance to, to win the series probably would have been game one. Because if you actually look at the box score, not trying to scare the Grizzly fans, you mentioned Draymond Green got ejected in the second quarter. Steph Curry, 8 of 20, didn't have a very good game. Clay Thompson couldn't hit anything until that big shot at the end that gave them the win. But the guy was 6 of 19 from the field and 3 of 10 from three-point range. So those are the big three, Draymond, Steph, and Clay. One didn't finish the game, and the other two didn't have good games. And oh, by the way, they still won. Yes, 
Jordan Poole, the new Splash Brother, off the bench with 31 points. Like, that, that that's a bench player that went and led Golden State to the game one win. That's how scary Golden State is. The fact that they can win games on the road versus a really good Memphis team with their top three players either not playing the whole game or not playing well at all. Because you look at that box score and you're like, how on earth did Golden State get this job done? How did they win? They did get it done. And uh, this could be very, very tough for Memphis to come back. That being said, they were dead and buried against Minnesota multiple times and came back and won the games and the series. This isn't Minnesota. This is the Golden State Warriors who, Greg, I firmly believe are going to win the NBA title. I think they're the best team in the game. And, you know, you got the three seed because you didn't have Curry the whole time. You didn't have Clay the whole time. But top to bottom, this is the best team in basketball. They've already won three titles. Could be four. Um, I think Golden State takes care of Memphis. I think they take care of Phoenix. And then they'll either beat the Heat or the Bucks in the finals. Um, the, the price has obviously gotten very, very short. I grabbed Golden State on the eve of the playoffs at nine to one, and I'm very, very happy about that price because right now they're in the three, three and a half dollar range. But I still think they're going to win it all, and I'm very happy to have that nine dollar price. And to your point on the Warriors, what I really like about them as well is that typically you wind up seeing teams shorten up their rotations when it comes to postseason, and they've done that to an extent as well. But they're still able to go nine if they really wanted to, ten deep, getting guys like even a Gary Payton the second who you wind up seeing be able to put up some good numbers in game one and in that previous series as well. I think that's what really sets the Warriors over the top because they can just give you so many looks while still having out there the Splash Brothers and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Yeah, they had nine guys play double-digit minutes. Eleven guys saw the field tonight. Uh, so they, they have it all across the board. Steph Curry coming off the bench in the first-round series. Now Jordan Poole coming off the bench. These are all-stars and all-pros that they have coming off the bench. So... As you can see with the price you put up there, Warriors now down to plus 255, which makes me really, really like the 9-1 to that I grabbed. Uh, but I still think you're getting decent value there, uh, especially on the Bucks at plus 550. Uh, I actually, if I had a handicap right now, I would go Bucks warriors finals. Yep, I don't disagree with you there. I like what I'm seeing out of the Milwaukee Bucks as well. Like what I'm seeing out of the Golden State Warriors. And I always like being able to get you on, David. You do a great job. Over there at Thank ESPN, you. ESPN Shock, cover a little bit of everything. So really appreciate the time tonight. I appreciate it. And we talked NBA, we talked NFL draft, and tomorrow we'll have our NHL postseason preview out with Greg Wyshynski and company. That'll be out there on ESPN Shock in the morning. Awesome. That is going to be absolutely terrific. And, hey, it's a great time of year right now because not only do you have the NBA playoffs, not only did you have the NFL draft this weekend, but now you're going to have the NHL playoffs starting up as well. We've seen a bunch of unders in the MLB. I think that we might be seeing a little bit of a shift up as well. So we've got a little bit of everything going on. David covers it all over there at ESPN and ESPN Chalk. So big thanks to him for joining me right here on the look at it. Coming up in the final segment, we are going to be touching upon a little MLB. I've got my play for DK Nation that I'm going to be giving out and going to be brushing up upon any games that we have yet to hit here on The Look At. That's coming up right here on the final segment of The Look At right here on VSIN Esports Bank Network. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game winner ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. 
ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my, my dance, <laughs> From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. VEASAN Spring Special is here for just $59. You get everything that VEASAN has to offer now through the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with great sports to be able to bet on, and we're going to have great content, the best in the business. Here at VEASAN.com and subscribers will have access to all of it. Adam Burke is going to be having his daily MLB Best Bets. John Von Tobel, he's got you covered with the NBA all the way through the entirety of the playoffs. Andy McNeil, he's got you covered with the NHL playoffs and the Stanley Cup Final, which... That's going to be getting started within the next few days. Plus, we'll have loads of NFL preseason coverage as well as some of the ancillary sports as well. Golf, USC, USFL, NASCAR, the Kentucky Derby, that betting guide. We've got you covered with all of it. If you want the full VSIM experience, which includes daily best bet emails, every single edition of Point Spread Weekly, our betting tools, live video streaming, and everything else that we do here at the network, the cost is just $59.00. To be a subscriber through July 31st, you're able to sign up now at vcin.com slash spring as it is the final segment of The Look At right here on vcin, the Sports Banking Network. Always great to be able to hold it down. Scott Seidenberg does a great job with regards to this program and always happy 
to be able to get a shot to be able to be here along with our wonderful producer, Jason. Big thanks, Sam, for being able to do a great job of booking a great show tonight at Save the Bearman. He was on the last two segments, does a great job over there at ESPN and ESPN. Chuck delivered the goods, talked a little NFL, talked a little NBA. Now about if we wind up talking a little MLB, as I wind up doing a write-up every single day for DraftKings DK Nation, and we've got one today for, well, if you're out there on the East Coast today, if you're out here on the West Coast, technically tomorrow for a game that's going to involve two of the hottest teams out there in baseball. That'd be the Yankees and the Toronto Blue Jays. You may recall when these two teams wound up hooking up in the Bronx, it was four-game series, and they wanted splitting, so they're looking to settle the score as it's 909-910 on the betting board. Blue Jays are going to be throwing out their Ross Tripling, and Jordan Montgomery goes for the Yankees. Yankees find themselves a very slight favorite here. In a lot of spots, anywhere between a minus 115 to a minus 120 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Jays, really the worst price I'm seeing right, right now is right around evenish money. They've actually went to plus money in quite a few places as well, as high as a plus 108. And your total, you're finding it anywhere between 8 and 8.5. Most books have moved this to an 8.5 with the juice being a little bit more on the under end. When it comes to this spot, I did wind up saying the Blue Jays as a favorite, more around a minus 125 favorite. Ross Stripling, a lot of people forget this guy was actually an all-star starter while he was with the LA Dodgers. Now, the problem for him has been pitching whenever he's been outside of the city of Toronto because with the Blue Jays, as he's pitched in the Rogers Center, he's made nine total appearances now in Toronto. He's got a sub-2 ERA. Does a good job of being able to keep down the deep ball whenever he's out there in Toronto. Meanwhile, when he's had to pitch elsewhere, it's not necessarily gone so great from. Meanwhile, he's going up against a guy in Jordan Montgomery that since the beginning of the 2019 season has a little bit over a four ERA in road games throughout his career. 1.3 home runs, give it up for nine innings. So it's not like he's by any means a bum. By no means is he lighting the world on fire. But I do think that's tripling out there in the city of Toronto. Going to be able to do some solid work. And you've got the two top offenses with regards to home runs. Both of these teams. 31 home runs, that leads the league. Aaron Judge, along with Anthony Rizzo, they've really been able to get it going for the Yankees. 17 home runs just for the two of them, and you know that Flagler Jr. is going to be able to have another monster year. He's already got six home runs. I think that's going to tick up, and Bobachette, he wound up having a nice home run on Sunday for this Blue Jays team, and he's got now two bombs in the last eight days, wound up having a grand slam in that series against the Boston Red Sox, so... Looks like he is starting to get going. You've got a little bit of better batting average when it comes to Yankees, but guys like Joey Gallo have been a little bit cold. You've noticed that with the Yankees. Been a little bit hit or miss with quite a few of these guys. Now, I will say DJ LeMay, who's had a very good year of just being able to get on base in general for this team, but still have a couple guys like Leo Torres who have not necessarily been so great. And Aaron Hicks, I know that there are many Yankees fans out there that they don't necessarily have the highest opinion of him, but he's been able to do a solid job as well. Now, you do take a look at the Yankees' bullpen, and it has been rock solid this year. It's actually second in the big leagues in terms of ERA. They did wind up having to use up quite a few of their trustworthy guys on Sunday, though. They were in a very closely knit battle with the Kansas City Royals' Luis Severino. Didn't necessarily give the world's greatest length in that one, so they are now going to be without a few of the guys that they typically rely upon. Aroldis Chapman, he wound up having to come out of the bullpen. He had to roll out there. 16 pitches, you wound up having Lucas Lutke along with Michael King. These two guys, they also wound up having to throw quite a few pitches as well. And then you do take a look at what you're able to get on the flip side for the Toronto Blue Jays team. And they did a relatively solid job of being able to preserve quite a bit of their bullpen. 
You do have quite a few guys I think are going to be able to come out there and they're going to be able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort. Adam Simber, Yimi Garcia, these guys are able to do relatively solid work. Julian Merriweather is someone that began the year a little bit banged up, so being able to get him back out there, I think that that is critical. So as a result, I do wind up saying the Blue Jays as a very slight favorite. Also keep in mind, Yankees are having to travel in this one. The Blue Jays, they were playing us the Houston Astros, so no travel on that side as well. Wound up saying the Blue Jays as a minus 125 favorite. Here at the 8.5 that we're seeing, by the way, I'm taking a look at the under because even though you've got a pair of teams that they do have quite a few home runs, it is a ballpark out there in Toronto that I'm not going to consider it necessarily pitcher-friendly, not necessarily hitter-friendly, but I do think that you're going to have Stripling do his job with regards to the start that he winds up getting and the bullpen of the Yankees has been relatively solid as well. So looking at an under, and I am taking a look at the Blue Jays with the DK Nation pick, and then we've also got one other game that I've yet to hit upon with regards to this show, as you've got the Oakland A's hitting the road face-off, or Oakland A's playing at home, facing off against the Tampa Bay Rays. This is 9-13, 9-14, as you've got the Rays finding themselves pretty sizable favorites here. Anywhere between minus 160 and seeing size a minus 168. Seven is your total. A lot of places have this shaded down to the under end. I do mind saying this total at a 7.3 because I do think that Dalton Jeffries is just due in for a little bit of regression. Now, you do have a ace team that they have the second worst batting average among American League teams, and they've scored three runs or fewer in now 10 out of their last 13 games. Yeah, remarkably, they were able to win six of them, but take a look at what you've been able to get out of Dalton Jeffries. He's currently got a 3.26 ERA with a fielding independent that is right around a 4.28, so fielding independent is a full point higher than his ERA. He doesn't put guys on cheaply. He's been able to do a nice job of being able to control the walks, just five walks in four starts this season, but I do fear that he's going to give up a little bit too much hard contact. He actually leads the league in terms of wild pitches, and then you got Drew Rasmussen, who ever since he became a starter for the Tampa Bay Rays, towards late August, early September last year, he's been posting up an ERA that is sub-3, has been done a nice job being able to hold down the fort for his career, over 10 strikeouts per nine innings, good swing and miss stuff, and for the Rays' credit, they do have to cut down the roster from 28 to 26, and darn near all of their bullpen pieces are going to be good to go because they actually wound up having a situation which Robert Duggar wound up eating like five innings out of the bullpen, so that's going to be beneficial. Now you've got J.P. Fireisen, Andrew Kittredge, all these trustworthy relievers out there for the Tampa Bay Rays, and when it comes to the race, you've got a pair of guys that have been able to do a solid job of being a reach base. Andy Diaz, north of a 400 on base, Wander Franco, He's been able to hit right around 300. Franco's been able to give you four home runs. Mike Zanino's been a little bit cold to begin the year. You've been noticing Brandon Lau has been hitting below the Mendoza line of 200 despite the fact that he's got three home runs. But Oakland A's as a collective, they're hitting right around 215. It's been really Sheldon Noisy who's been doing a solid job for this team. He's been able to get the team 13 RBI, been able to do a nice job hitting above a 300. But that said, it's very much a feaster frame and lineup. You've got Sean Murphy. He's been able to do a good job of being able to go yard in. Part of the reason why you are going to notice that just typically in general, Oakland's numbers are going to be a little bit lower when it comes to their lineup in general is because when it comes to Oakland during the nighttime, you do wind up having the Marine layer out there. So balls that would be going yard in just about any other stadium. They do wind up dying in the warning track when it comes to Oakland. So that's always something to keep in mind with that. But I do think that the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be able to do a solid job of getting to a guy in Dalton Jeffries that not much of a swing and miss guy. He's only getting right around five and a half strikeouts per nine innings just throughout his career in general. It's been right around 5.2 punch outs per nine innings through Rasmussen. He does get a lot more swings and misses 
with regards to Tampa Bay Rays as well. And you take a look at this Oakland A's bullpen. It's not terrible, but it's certainly not a lot to write home about. A.J. Puck is able to give you a little bit of length out of the bullpen. Sam Ball is someone I do like as well, but you've been dealing with a couple of injuries when it comes to the team. Lou Trevino is still out of the fold. Someone I like in Deolis Carrera still has not been able to make an appearance this season as well. So you've had to see this Oakland A's team mix and match quite a bit. And when it comes to the lineup as well, even guys like a Jed Lowry have been missing for quite a bit of the season. Chad Pinder missed a little bit of time. He's come back in the fold, but it's very much a banged up Oakland A's lineup. And it is a spot in which I set the Rays as a minus 163 on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line with the Rays, you're able to get a little bit of plus money right around plus 110 in a lot of spots. I would rather reduce the juice here because you've noticed that road teams have been able to cover the run line as favorites a lot more. All but nine of the 71 wins that road favorites have had straight up, they've been able to cover the run line. Meanwhile, 40 wins for home favorites have been by one run, so they have been unable to cover the run line there. So I think that that's important to take note of. So looking at a raised run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at the over on seven. And something else that you always want to take a look at, all that we've got going on here at VEASAN, follow the money if you're listening to a replay. It's going to be coming up next. If this is live, you're going to be catching follow the money at 7 a.m. Eastern time right here on VEASAN Esports Bank Network. VEASAN Esports Bank Network. VEASAN Esports Bank Network. VEASAN from football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.